Welcome in, one and all. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. On a Wednesday edition. Glad you're with us today. As always. Hopefully you're enjoying your uh, your early Wednesday and uh, having a good time. Uh, Bill Michael Show on the air. And uh, if you want to get a hold of us, 877-867-1670-877-867-1670. You can find us. Uh, also, you can track us down uh, via Twitter, at Bill underscore Michaels, at Bill underscore Michaels. You can also find us on uh, on uh, or find Grant at Wisco Grant over on Twitter as well. Can't forget about Grant uh, on Instagram, The Bill Michael Show on Instagram, which uh, many of you are finding. We appreciate. Also, you can track us down in many different facets on YouTube. Uh, go to YouTube.com slash Bill Michaels Show. You can watch the show. You can subscribe right there. It's free. No problem. Also, there is the uh, we're, we're on TikTok now. Uh, believe it or not, we're on TikTok. Uh, we're on, oh, my God, LinkedIn. We're on Twitch TV, Kick TV, uh, Facebook Live. So you can track us down there uh, in so many different facets. Email the program, thebillmichaels at gmail.com, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. And uh, then you can find us on the website, simply thebillmichaels.com, thebillmichaels.com. For those watching on the um, on the live stream, hopefully everything works today. I know the, the picture's a little cattywampus because uh, the uh, normal camera we use went out uh, literally as we were the music was playing. We were going on the air. I had to grab another camera and, and put that up. So uh, anyway, that's it. Um, good morning to everybody. Brandon, Andrew, everybody. Uh, big win over Iowa last night. That was kind of cool uh, to watch. Saw that. So, Yes. Yes, I was glad to uh, glad to sit down and, and watch last night just to sit down and watch, you know, a game, and uh, just enjoy a game. So didn't really uh, other than I sat down in the bar last night and uh, moved some things around. I know it's a long story. It's it, I don't want to bore you, but I sat down in the bar last night and just I had uh, one beer. I made some dinner. We had a bunch of leftover prime rib and everything, so I had some prime rib last night. Had uh, I grilled some asparagus and had a beer, sat at the bar, and did a little work in the bar uh, last evening. Uh, a friend of mine gave me a new uh, neon sign, uh, a beer sign for the bar. So I wanted to hang that, move some things around, and that was it. That was it. So, one yes, one beer. That was it. I, I wasn't going to get sit downstairs and get hammered last night. So, uh, anyway, Grant, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good. I did not have prime rib for dinner last night. Uh, I know. I I think I warmed up leftovers from from Monday afternoon, and I think I had some cottage cheese. And I'm not convinced that that cottage cheese hadn't gone bad. It tasted a little odd, so I'm hoping that that doesn't come back to bite me today. But that was my night last night. Just watched Badger basketball. Pretty simple night. Okay. There you go. Good, simple night last night. Uh, so that is uh, kicking the show off today. We have got, uh, coming up tonight, we got the Bill Michael Huddle. And reminder that we're going to be in lacrosse next week, next Wednesday night. Uh, at Flipside Bar and Grill on the north side, we're going to be there again. Uh, the uh, return performance. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll be there uh, coming up next week, and uh, we'll we'll enjoy ourselves in lacrosse one more time, one more time before the football season ends. So we'll get into all of that. Um, that being said, uh, glad to have you on board, and a lot to get to. Now, I was up this. I got up this morning, and. I, I, you know, normally what I do is I'll flip on the TV and I start listening and watching and, and paying attention to all the different, you know, facets out there. I was watching Good Morning Football today. 
And I got kind of bored. I have to admit, I got kind of bored. I'm kind of like, eh, okay, I have all these different stories I've seen. And then I flipped over to the local news, and yeah, the big stories about Aaron Rodgers and his argument now with Jimmy Kimmel and some of the accusations and stuff going back and forth, and okay, whatever. Um, and then I, I thought, you know what? It's Bears week. So I flipped on the radio, and I've got one of those little, believe it or not, I don't even know where I have it here. I've got a little Sony, um, like, a, like a Walkman. Uh, still, uh, you know, the only two people in the world I think that still use these things are myself and Mike Clemens. And we take them with us on the road, well, and the Lambo, but we like to listen to the radio broadcasts of the games while you're there. Because sometimes you can hear something or pick something up via the color commentators, whether it's on the road or like Larry McCarron, he'll notice something. And because Larry has a lot of insight when it comes to game plans and stuff, he gets access to certain things. So you can pick something up. You can hear something, you know. So I thought, well, I, I picked it up. I put it in my pocket. I had my headset in. And I was walking around. I was listening to uh, Chicago radio today. And I'll tell you this. They fully believe that this Bears team's coming in to ruin the season of the Green Bay Packers. They fully believe that Justin Fields, now they are in a, a catbird seat right now because they have a decision to make as to whether or not to move on from Justin Fields and draft a quarterback or trade Justin Fields, get more picks, and then take a quarterback or trade that first pick and get additional first-round picks and then keep their quarterback and then continue to build around them. But they, there's a vast array of difference of opinions, we'll say, when it comes to Justin Fields. However... The focus this week is strictly on repeating what the Detroit Lions did to the Packers last year, and that was simply go beat the Green Bay Packers and knock them out of the postseason. That's it. That's, that's all everybody wants to see. And they firmly believe that this team is starting to fire on all cylinders, that they are better in spite of Eberflus, that there's just so many different facets to this that they are convinced – that the, the the Packers are ready to go down, that they're going to ruin the Green Bay Packers season. And they start to list off all these different things, that the Packers defensively with Joe Barry cannot contain Justin Fields. They cannot run with him. They can't. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time I'm listening to this this morning, I'm like, didn't the Packers beat them? I mean, both teams had an entire offseason to prepare for game one. And the Packers beat them going away in a pretty commanding performance. And I'm thinking – didn't they already beat that team? Well, now they consider this team to be better. They're more cohesive. They're more on the same page. Uh, they've got a handle on the playbook. Guys have fallen into their roles. But I'm thinking so do the Packers. I mean, for what we've witnessed, at least going back to the games, certain games specifically, you look at the game against Minnesota that just passed, Packers looked incredibly good. You look at the game against the Lions, Packers looked incredibly good. Packers looked incredibly good against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, is their defense top-notch? Hell no. Hell no. And even with that performance against the Minnesota Vikings, it's, it, it, it's not a stay of execution for Joe Barry. It's just, you know, we're, we're still on path for the inevitable. Just it, things got a little better. Guys bought in. Guys are looking over the fence saying, hey, we can make it to the postseason where anything can happen. Let's do this. So, yeah, communication and what have you got a little bit better. And some of the starters, Devondre Campbell, Jair Alexander, Stokes, all those guys are out. Oddly enough, things got better. You know, Quay Walker is saying, hey, I, I love the fact that Joe Barry took the leash off this week, you know? And, and not necessarily in those words, but the, that's the Cliff Notes version. 
that they got a little bit of a lead, and next thing you know, Joe Barry's playbook opens up, and then they're doing many different things, and guys are playing with instinct and playing free and getting after it rather than playing on their heels and in prevent defense and playing scared and just don't let anybody get behind you. So I'm thinking, you know, if the Packers, you know, if you want to go with keys to the game, you know, way too early to get into the keys of the game. But if you want to get into the keys of the game, you get up by a score or two. I mean, you just, you, to me, if I'm Matt LaFleur, I'm not deferring. I'm putting my offense out there. I'm taking the ball. I'm going downfield. I want to punch it into the end zone. Get a score and then get after Justin Fields. Force him into mistakes. And if you do and you get a mistake or two, it's it's hammered out. You know, and then Joe Barry, just shut up. Don't do anything to say, hey, let's, you know, let's not let anything behind us. We got the lead. Let's play not to lose. Play to win. Play to crush them. Play, I, I would just love to see a defense play to crush them and not play on their heels and not play back. If you get a big play behind you, that's okay. Your offense is playing pretty well right now. You can come back and do this. But I just I, – I don't want to see this team play not to lose because we've got so much riding on it. I want to see them, it, like, say, hey, look, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down swinging. And if we're going to win, we're going to beat the hell out of you. We're going to put you back into your place, which is last place in the division. We're going to send you home packing. We're going to leave you with question marks about your quarterback. We're going to leave you with question marks about your coaching staff. We're going to leave you with question marks about your defense, about your offensive line. I want to see them beat the hell out of them. That's what I want to see. I want to see exactly what you did in Minnesota times 10. Unleash it. And if he doesn't, well, then before the door actually has the capability to hit you in the ass, I want him gone. Because he, what you saw this past week against the Minnesota Vikings was awesome. And guys seemed much more, I don't know if it's the word would be engaged or focused or excited or enthused or energetic or whatever you want to throw behind it. But that's what I want to see. Because I'll tell you this, the Bears fully believe they're coming into Lambeau Field and they're going to knock off the Green Bay Packers and they're going to do exactly what the Lions did to them last year and that is end their season. So that was the morning. That was the morning. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Carrie, uh, hello in Auburn, Indiana. On the line. There you go. Um, JJ wants to know, why did it take Joe Barry so long to figure this out? Everybody in the league, entire world, has figured out uh, that last season. The good coach adjusted the scheme, fit the abilities of the players he has. Uh, Rick says, LaFluff always plays in postseason games, always not to lose instead of playing to win. Uh, and then uh, quarterback Matt says, Barry against a truly running mobile quarterback really concerns me. And, yes, it goes on from there. Uh, now, remember, and, again, going back to Matt LaFleur, for those that say he's never won a big game in the postseason, he has won in the postseason. He's won games as a coach. His first year he puts them in an NFC Championship game. The second year they're in an NFC Championship game. The third year they got beat by San Francisco, but they were in the postseason. It's not like he's never won. What, what I found concerning – is that when this team faces adversity, they fold their tents and go home. When they turn the ball over, at least when it was with Aaron Rodgers, when you had in that game against Tampa Bay, when I think it was Aaron Jones, uh, when he got hit and fumbled the football and he was knocked out of the game, that became a concern. And all of a sudden, you know, after the first couple of drives up and down the field and up and down the field, no problem. All of a sudden they go into a shell and they couldn't get anything done. And they looked like a weak-ass offense. The next year against San Francisco, Mercedes Lewis hit, fumbles. They go right down and score early on. Right after that, Mercedes Lewis in the next drive hit, fumbles. They curl up. They curl up in the fetal position, and they were never the same after that, and we saw what happened to them. I want to see this team 
be aggressive and keep the playbook open and not play to lose. Not play to lose. I I feel like, now this is dangerous here, I feel like the Packers are going to win this game. I just do. But the last time I felt that confident was Tampa Bay, and they got their asses kicked. They look terrible. So I don't know what to make of this game. Let's do this. We're going to step out. We'll take a quick break. We'll get everything all set up and everything uh, sound-wise and get all that fixed. And then we're going to come back. We've got a whole lot more to get to today on a Wednesday edition of the Bill Michael Show. Uh, if you want to chime in, 877-867-1670. Stick around. We've got a lot more coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. question over the uh, holidays then again maybe you didn't and you're thinking about something come the spring and you're going to start looking check out our friends at kane and kane jewelers k-o-e-h-n k-o-e-h-n kane and kane jewelers they want to rock your world they're in west bend wisconsin go to kane k-o-e-h-n kanejewelry.com that is kanejewelry.com and don't forget uh when you're uh when you're checking out the website Andy Kane has a uh, has a podcast. It's called uh, Buy Like a Guy. Buy Like a Guy. And it's it's actually really good. They do a lot of different things from buying jewelry all the way to tasting bourbons and, you know, different shopping tips and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Andy and his wife, they have a great staff out there, very educational staff out there. And uh, check them out, Kane and Kane Jewelers in West Bend, Wisconsin. Good stuff there. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. 1670. If you want to give us uh, a shout, by all means, uh, go ahead and do so. We'd love to hear from you. Thinking about the Green Bay Packers coming up this weekend uh, against uh, the uh, Chicago Bears down in Chicago, or excuse me, up in uh, Lambeau and down in Chicago today listening to a lot of Bears chatter. And they firmly believe that this Bears team is ready. They've won five of their last seven, four of their last five. And they firmly believe that they're ready to go. Like they are just, you know, all that in a bag of chips. So they believe that this is going to be uh, their version of the Detroit Lions from last season where the Packers ended up getting knocked off and they get beat by the, by the, by the Bears. Um, the question down there, obviously, is uh, about Justin Fields. I, don't, I still don't know if Justin Fields is a good quarterback. I, I just don't. I think he's a good athlete. I don't know if I'd call him – a really good quarterback. I'd call him maybe a learning quarterback or a, a functional quarterback. Um, and I know at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of talk about which one would you take? Would you, would you take Justin Fields or would you take Jordan Love? I'd take Jordan Love in a, in a heartbeat. And the beginning of the season, you looked at it and you thought, well, maybe Justin Fields only for the fact that he's got the experience in the NFL. But right now, I mean, when you look at the decision-making and the arm ability and such, uh, just, Justin Fields has better athleticism and scramble capability Jordan Love's a better quarterback. Uh, now, here's the next question. 
would you rather have, say, Jordan Love or C.J. Stroud? That's another, that's another question for another day. When you look at what C.J. Stroud has done, they got a big game coming up this weekend uh, against uh, the Indianapolis Colts because uh, and Stroud is back and he's ready to go. Garner Minshew knows that, you know, I was watching earlier today that they know this is a big game. It's a win and you're in type of scenario. And C.J. Stroud, man, for what he's done this season, I mean, he's going to win the rookie of the year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I still, um, there's been a lot of convincing that's been done for me anyway when it comes to Jordan Love. And uh, let's see here. Bill uh, says, if you were the general manager, what would you give up for fields? A first, second, third round pick? You'd have to make it a first. And if you're a team without a quarterback and a team that is drafting, say, seventh, eighth, ninth, and you want Justin Fields, you're giving up maybe two first-round draft choices. You know, maybe two. Uh, I, he, he could draw that. I mean, there's talk that if the Bears are going to trade away the first overall pick, considering that Caleb Williams and Penix Jr. are two guys that everybody believes are NFL-ready quarterbacks, uh, you may end up getting two ones and a two, two, three ones. I mean, I... I they were talking yesterday that if Washington decided to jump up, that they could possibly give up three ones. So, you know, I mean, I if, if you're the Bears, I'd keep Justin Fields and take three ones and turn that into support, you know, for him. If you still have a question as to whether or not he's the guy, if, if you believe he's the guy, then, man, I'd go out and get all the support in the world for him. Um, in the meantime, here in our own backyard, Jordan Love has done – a lot of convincing. Now, I, I also had a question, at, and Mark said, uh, right after the season, you'd be extending Jordan Love. You can't do it after the season because uh, you can't extend somebody's con- – you can't rewrite a contract within a calendar year. So he has to do it after May. I don't know what that contract's going to look like. A lot of people seem to think it's going to be a Daniel Jones-esque type of, co- type of contract, four years, $160 million, something like that, $150 million. And it'll be lifelong money. It gives him enough time to kind of reestablish himself again and get another bite of the apple down the road. So that might not be a bad deal. I just, my biggest fear, and I've said this time and again, and if you've heard this and I'm boring you, I apologize, but I just don't want to see this team put itself into a, an 11 or 12 or 13 percentile or more uh, of total salary cap paid to a quarterback. I, I just, I mean, I know quarterbacks rule the roost, but you look what's happened down in Kansas City. Kansas last year was the first time in the history uh, since salary cap was in place that a quarterback making more than 13.5% of their team's total salary won a Super Bowl, and that was with Patrick Mahomes. And now you look at what happened this year. This year, again, they had to get rid of additional pieces. Chris Jones wasn't even going to sign right away. They were trying to work out a contract with him, and it's because you only have so much money left. You you just you once you pay the quarterback a ton of money, it's it's really tough to fortify unless you hit on every draft choice. It is tough to fortify everything around him. And remember, you are going to have and I only throw these names out there because they're all similar. You're gonna have Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Tucker Craft, and Luke Musgrave. Those five guys all coming up at contract situations, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker, they're all gonna be contract casualties at some point as they start to come up because they're all going to emerge at about the same time when it comes to their contract status. Now, some will make more than others, but those are some of your core players right now on this team. It'll be Zach Tom, Sean Ryan, 
you know, you're going to have quite a few guys over the last two drafts that have been contributors that are going to come up at the same, all come up at the same time. You're going to have to pay them. If you want to hang on to them, you're going to have to pay them unless Goody hits this year and next year and the year after in the draft. And then you're just continually refortifying your team, and therefore you can pay that kind of money to your quarterback. But you're going to have to think about the running back position. You're going to have to think about the defensive back position and what you're going to do. You can't cut Jair. You're going to owe him too much money. He's going to be back again next year, and you're hope, hoping that he's going to be healthy. So there's some, there's some ramifications to whatever that contract will look like coming up uh, later this year, this upcoming year. So there you go. Uh, Ted says, let some of your veterans go and keep the young guys. That I agree, but who? You know, you, you're going to let go of your offensive line? Going to let go of guys like Kenny Clark, the, the stable guys? You know? Who are you going to let go? I mean, there's some guys you can say, oh, you know, okay, he's a guy. You can do without. But there's some guys where they're they're cornerstones, man. You can't do that. You can't, you can't get rid of cornerstones and then just refortify it with young guys. It it just doesn't work that way. You got when you find some guys that are that are cornerstones, um, you you gotta hang on to them. Do we draft another kicker this year? Hell, I don't ever want to see the Packers draft a kicker again. It's it's kickers and punters, man, they just don't work out when you draft them. Just have a massive influx of call. Just bring in seven, eight, nine guys, let them all have competition, put them over in the dome, put them over in Lambeau Field, and all they do is kick field goals. That's it. All they do is kick and punt. That's it. Nothing more. Because it's it's crazy, man. Every t- B.J. Sander they drafted, and they drafted, you know, obviously Anders Carlson. And, you know, you just look at some of the guys they've picked up over the years, and it just – they. They're here for a little while, and then you're like, "Eh, there's nothing special about this guy. And, oh, by the way, we wasted a draft choice on him. I can't just general managers drafting kickers and punters. It's like, wow, just don't do it. Brett Conway, there you go. Thank you. So, uh, 877-867-1670. If you got something to say, say it, bring it. We'd love to hear from you. Coming up after the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear from Zach Heilprin, and uh, he's going to give us a little bit of a bowl recap for the Badgers and the meltdown the offensive line had at the end of that ball game when all they needed to do was just move the football. So they'd been moving it pretty much all day, and they'd been playing so good, and then everything just came apart at the end. It's not – now I, I get it. LSU's a pretty good football team, but you had it right there for you. You had it in your hand. And good teams figure out how to win those games. Bad teams get put on their heels and then put on their ass. And I, I, know, I know in my heart of hearts next year is going to be a better year. I know that. I understand it. I still have this, you know, ReliaQuest bowl bad taste. But there's there's some glaring things on this team that we have become accustomed to over the years that are no longer there. The domination of an offensive line. We haven't seen that in the last few years. Uh, a running attack that is more than consistent. Uh, and the one thing that this team desperately needs is legit downfield wideouts. Uh, that can that can get space. They've got some guys on this team that can get some space, but they're not number ones and number twos. They're more like slot receivers. And you know, when you talk about the air raid offense, man, you you got to have speed kills. You got to look at the, the 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 model that is the Miami Dolphins. You know, you got to put just all kinds of speed out there and say, okay, pick one because the other two are going to burn you. And that's what this team needs. And they need guys that six foot four four three four four at the at the worst. 
and they need guys that can leap. They're not easy to find, don't get me wrong, but you got to find some guys that can get downfield and get open and do it rather quickly. So, uh, 877-867-1670. Rob Reiser going to join us coming up in the last hour of the program as well, so stay tuned. Zach Heilprint going to be joining us coming up just after the uh, bottom of the hour here. Stick around. we got more of the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael Show. We continue on. Joining us now, sports director WOZN, the Zone in Madison, also uh, has the uh, the weekly program podcast. He's everywhere. I know he was uh, flying down to Florida and then back for the game last night. And he's like the wind, man. He's all over the joint covering the Wisconsin Badgers. Zach Heilprin at Zach Heilprin. Over on Twitter, X, and uh, joining us now on the hotline. Zach, how you doing, pal? I'm doing great, Bill. So, uh, tell me what you witnessed, because the end of that ball game, I thought, you know what, Wisconsin, for the most part, played a pretty good game, and then all of a sudden, it was something we just aren't normally used to seeing, and that is an offensive line breakdown in three straight plays and three straight sacks, and suddenly a decent game goes up in flames. Yeah, that was tough. That was tough, but it was also kind of um... – similar to what has happened this year and actually last year as well they are not good at finishing games they are not good at all at finishing games i believe they're now three and nine in the last two years in games that were uh, one score games in the fourth quarter that's not good enough and that happened on what day was that monday it happened on monday the same way it's happened the last two years they can't get out of their way, own way they make mistakes the game shouldn't even been been like that right i mean they, mm-hmm. they had their opportunities to put the game away or even, you know, extend their lead, and they didn't get it done. I think some of it was some plays that didn't go their way. It was also, I thought, a little bit of a lack of aggressiveness from Luke Fickle when you had opportunities inside um, LSU territory. But, yeah, the, the, the offensive line breakdown, I mean, it was – I'm trying to remember which game it was. It was an NFL game where the, the team got sacked three straight times. I think it was the Giants game last week. Um, where Tyrod Taylor kept on getting sacked. And I'm like, I started laughing. I'm like, that's just ridiculous. And then I saw it again with Wisconsin. And uh, really, really, really tough way to lose that. You could just tell LSU knew that they were going to be able to get home and they sent guys. And um, it was just a, a really, really tough situation to put your offensive line in. And, and they did not rise up to the occasion in that moment. So now you got the Badgers uh, in the offseason kind of licking their wounds, so to speak. It's something that Luke Fickle has to now figure out and upgrade and such. I said three things. I said one is, obviously, they need more speed on the outside. It wasn't a bad passing game, but it's still not prolific. Obviously, this has been something we've watched over the years, and that is a, a really incredibly solid run game. And beef up front that's more like road graders and is able to protect the quarterback and open up holes for the run game. Defensively speaking, I'm not even going there yet. I want to see an offense that becomes what Wisconsin once was with the accentuation of the air raid, uh, the air raid offense. How long, let's be honest, how long will it take, do you think, to get the air raid offense up and running? Yeah, I think they'd take what they saw on, on Monday passing-wise every day of the week. I mean, Tanner Mordecai threw 378 yards, and it probably should have been more because there was, there was 
couple drops here and there. So I think I think the passing game was act, that's actually the first time all year where I'm like, oh, okay, that's what this could look like. And I, mean, I, I talked to Phil Longo last week. Where we, we, the reporters got to talk with him last week, and I asked him about the explosiveness on the outside, whether they have enough speed on the outside, because he mentioned it during the year that they didn't, you know, just wait till you see we get some explosion on the outside. And then we waited, and, like, we didn't see anything, and they haven't added anything in the transfer portal. So I asked him, like, what do you have? And he goes, well, there's some things in that room that you guys haven't seen that, uh, that you're going to see. And I think he kind of we, – we saw it on, uh, on Monday. They threw the ball deeper down the field and had success down the field better than they have all year. And all those guys that were there are going to be back, obviously, outside of Tanner Mordecai. But in terms of the run game, Yes, the offensive line, you know, needs to be better. Uh, they are going to be losing their their best guy in Tanner Bordellini, but they bring him back uh, a number of other guys. And, and there's there's guys behind them that were highly ranked. Now they actually have to play. The thing I'm most interested about is they did not have an explosive running game. Obviously, Braylon was a, a – he could make some big plays. It wasn't necessarily going to be his bread and butter. You, when you lost Chesley, right. you, you lost that explosive player. Now he's back. And they added a number of guys in, the, in this recruiting class that are also uh, explosive, and I think you're going to add some more athleticism to that. So I think they, I think the offense on on Monday, I, if you're a Wisconsin fan, you would take that every day, um, especially in the passing game. So how much do you think? And I, and I only ask this because obviously we know the name, but how much does Tucker Ashcraft then grow and begin to become a vital cog in this offense? Because as much as the outside needs speed. Uh, the hands over the inside to move the sticks, I think, is vital. And when you start talking about an offense, if it's going to be an air raid and you can't get downfield, you got to be able to move the sticks and con- uh, continue drives. Tucker Ashcraft, I think, is going to become a vital cog in this. Do you? The the lack of production from the tight end position this year is it, not, not overly surprising because a lot of inexperience there and not necessarily guys that ha- had done it before. Hayden Ritchie is a very good blocker, but he's not he's not a receiver right right uh, so tucker ashcraft is there and then they they're, they're bringing in some other guys and phil when phil longo has a tight end that's that's actually prolific he's going to use them so there's they, they, you go back and look at the stats from north carolina they use their tight ends um so whether it's tucker ashcraft or whether it's one of these other guys that's coming in jackson mcgowan the transfer from lsu or the true freshman grant speck another true freshman and robert booker from wanakee that i think is going to take a little bit of time but grant speck is coming in uh next week he'll be back here and, and going through winter conditioning they are going to be i have to i have to imagine like they can't be less less dynamic than they were at tight end this year they're going to be more dynamic at tight end and i it can be tucker ashcraft but i think it's also going to be maybe some of these other guys that they're adding to into the mix here's my question and last year it was talks of championships they redid the weight room guys showed up they were inspired they were enthused new things were happening there was this energy in the building and a lot of expectation what should the expectation going into next season be? It's a, it's a great question because it's a new Big Ten, right? You've, you've got right. games against teams that you didn't have before. As opposed to having one or two marquee opponents, you have three. Uh, and when you throw in Alabama, you've got four. So expectations for next year, uh, that's really, really tough. Because, Bill, I'll be honest, I don't know what this roster is going to look like uh, by the time right. August rolls around. Uh, they, uh, Because they played on January 1st, there's you know the, the transportal closed on January 2nd, but because they played on January 1st, they got five more days here that, uh, that guys could leave. So, and then you have the post spring and then you have guys coming in after spring. So I don't know exactly what this team is going to look like, but I think expectations have to be um, 
all based on whether what kind of player you're going to get out of your quarterback. The quarterback play for the most part this year, Terry Mordecai was a warrior, um, but the numbers weren't there. Um, so can Tyler Van Dyke come in, win that job, and be the guy that uh, is able to sling the ball over the field like Mordecai did on, on Monday? That's, if, it, if he can, then they've got a good chance to, to be competitive on a, on a week-to-week basis with some of the better teams in, in the league. The defense obviously needs to take a step up, and I think that's where they've spent a ton of time trying to figure out what they're going to do on the outside because their success at Cincinnati, whether it was Trussell and, and Fickle or whoever, their success there was because they had elite guys on the outside at cornerback, and they don't necessarily have that guy outside of Ricardo Hallman. They don't have a guy that uh, they can be comfortable putting in man coverage and, and allow them to do a whole bunch of different stuff. So expectations for next year, um, very, very predicated <laughs> – on, on some unknowns, for sure. Is college football broken? And, and this was an interesting discussion that I got into over the weekend because the transfer portal has screwed up. I mean, when you look at the Bulls, they were terrible for the most part. I mean, there was nothing joyous to watch. You had a couple of decent games, but for the most part, it really wasn't that good. The Wisconsin game was probably one of the better ones until you got to the national title games in the, in the Final Four. So is college football broken or do they need to? Because I know there's been a lot of speculation about making it all one big conglomerate and sharing the money, and then there's talk about the, the SEC and the Big Ten owning everything, and then there's talk about moving the transfer portal capability until after bowl season so at least you keep some of these teams together. Is college football broken? Does it need to be tweaked a little bit, or is this thing just uh, headed down a very bad path? It's got major problems. I, I don't know that it's broken, but it's got major problems, and Luke Fickle talked about that. The issues that they are dealing with right now, um, it's, it's one after another. It feels like a lawsuit's being filed every other day against the, the NCAA. So eventually, I think what is going to happen is, is kind of what the, the Chip Kelly model, where you're going to the Power Five, or not even the Power Five, whatever, how, I think it's like 65 schools, will break away and be its entity by itself and let the NCAA run the other sports. Uh, football is just mm-hmm. at a different level, and I think that that is going to be what's going to happen. And I don't have a problem with that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't have a problem. But everyone's – even in that 65, not everyone's going to be playing on the same level of field. But to be able to break away and stop affecting everything else that college sports is about is – I think is pro- should be their, their biggest focus. But um, right now their, their biggest focus is trying to get as much money as possible. And uh, that certainly uh, has led to what, what we're doing. But, yeah, there's, there's huge issues. Transfer portal, recruiting windows, all that stuff. It makes for just an impossible year for uh, head coaches and staffs. And Luke Fickle said that he doesn't know if they can go through another cycle or two exactly like this. They other thing they need to be tweaked, uh, t- timing and otherwise. But every time you, you put a timing on something, Bill, something else pops up. Uh, someone's going to be filing a lawsuit because yeah. they want to be able to do whatever they want to do. And for the most part, the courts are agreeing with them. The I, I I've said all along. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, I said the NCAA screwed themselves because they were greedy. And instead of sharing the money and cutting into their profits as well as the conferences, they decided to say, no, go find your own money. And when they did, they opened up. Because this was originally supposed to be, the NIL was supposed to be, give me a couple hundred bucks a week or give me a couple hundred bucks a month so I can go get a pizza, take my girlfriend out, I get a little bit of money for my likeness. This is a Pandora's box that blew the lid off, and now they don't know how to put the S back in the horse. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, the NCAA was was obviously greedy. They weren't even good at being greedy, though, because you go and look at the – 
bas- like the basketball contract they signed for like a it's like a twenty like year contract and it's so in favor of CBS and, and Turner and it's like you could have made so much more money out of this you're just not very good at it you're not very good at being greedy um, yeah. and now they're they're losing they're going to lose everything that they have on the football side of it they you know they're not even they're not even really in they're not in charge of the the playoff they're not, they haven't been in charge of anything like that so. It's all right. There's already a model in place without the NCAA's oversight, and I don't think that'd be a, a horrible thing. Now, what you do need, you do need, you need rules, you need some governance, you need to have all these schools agree to play by these certain rules. Um, and if they don't want to play by the certain rules, well, then you won't be a part of it. It's kind of like, uh, uh, but that that leads to, you know, having perhaps a a union, a players' union that is is negotiating how this all plays out. It's it's so confusing and so many different angles to look at that it is going to be something that I think is going to is certainly going to play out in these next five years and what this looks like right now is not going to look like anything uh it will not look like right now what we see it as right now is not going to look anything like it in five years probably great stuff Zach appreciate it uh and then we will uh, start touching base a little more basketball down the road okay sounds good Bill thank you Thanks, pal. He uh, came back safely from Florida only to uh, watch the Badgers get a win last night against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Nice win last night. Although, Iowa ladies team, did you see Clark last night hit it from the beak? I saw that highlight this morning. She's just incredible. But, uh, nevertheless, Badgers get a nice win last night. And thanks to Zach for joining us for a couple of minutes uh, on the hotline. Certainly appreciate that. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Robert's Specialty Meats in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Go to robertsspecialtymeatswaukesha.com. I was down there. I told you that. I was down there over the holidays, picked up some prime rib, and uh, had that, and oh, my God, it was fantastic. He cut it for us, and there was a line out the door of people that had pre-ordered everything from Christmas hams to prime rib to tenderloins, and it was awesome. But now we're back at it. We're back thinking about tailgating coming up this weekend. You're thinking about meals at home now that you've spent all your money on Christmas and presents and gifts for everybody else. So now you're going to take it easy. You're going to sit back, relax. Hell, they even do chicken wings. So if you're going to get ready for the postseason for football, they even do chicken wings. So stop down there and grab that and a lot of Wisconsin products as well. On Sunset Drive in Waukesha, Wisconsin, that is Robert's Specialty Meats, Waukesha.com. Robert's Specialty Meats, Waukesha.com. They are your hometown butcher. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back, the Michael Show. We continue on. Good to have you. Hey, our friends at the Sunset Grill out there on Pewaukee Lake had a great time uh, on New Year's Eve. And they had a big party, they had kind of a black tie affair out there, which was really kind of cool. And uh, they got all kinds of great specials. They have surf and turf specials that are going on. They've got an incredible Friday fish fry uh, where you get the $12 fish sandwich, uh, clam chowder and such. Uh, they've got so many good specials going on out there, and they want to welcome you into a brand new year of checking out the uh, the sunset setting on Pewaukee Lake. So stop out the Sunset Grill. And uh, they got just, like I said, so much going on. Happy uh, official first day of happy hour, as they put it uh, the other day. So you can stop in. Their happy hour begins at 3, 3 to 6, Monday through Thursday. A dollar off sunset lights and drafts and all that kind of stuff and $3 rails and house wines and 
So many good things going on over there at the Sunset Grill. So thanks to them for being a part of the program. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Uh, Mary over in the live stream said uh, that, you know, well, you know, the Packers are going to get killed in the postseason. Um, yeah, but who cares? Even if that's true, and I, I've been, been on this train for a while now, even if that's true, okay, who cares? And the reason I say that is because I so much want to see this team get the experience of the postseason. Now, in essence, this game coming up is a postseason game for all intents and purposes. It's a postseason game because you're already in the playoffs. If you lose this one, your season's over. If you win this one, you can you can advance. So it's, you know, not completely uh, unlike a feel of a, a regular season game. It's not completely like that because, you know, a regular season game, yet there is a tomorrow. You know, you're going to go back to work. You're going to study the film. You're going to go back to practice on Wednesday, and you're going to continue on. This one is you lose. Monday you're going to look at the film. You're going to clean out your locker. Your season's done. Whereas if you win, you continue on. So I just want them to get the feel of – what what it is like to get to the postseason, what ramped up, amped up energy is, what a hostile crowd on the road really is come the postseason with everybody realizing it's a winner go home. For for the Bears, they got nothing they got nothing to lose. Their season's done. They're not going anywhere. They already have the number one overall pick. The only thing they're doing is coming into this situation and trying to ruin the rest of your season or end your season, much like Detroit did last year. That's it. For the Packers, everything to gain. So when you get to the postseason and you play a team like Dallas or San Francisco or Philadelphia, whoever it is you may face, Detroit for that matter, when you go into that environment, I mean, everybody is in a winner-go-home winner mode. So when you're going on the road, the fans are amped up, the other team, your opponent is amped up. Who knows what kind of version of the Chicago Bears you're going to get, especially if it's – I think they're predicting – I don't think we're getting any snow. I think it's just going to be cooler. Uh, and by cooler, I mean we're not going to have 20 below because we've had that here at this point in uh, time. We're not going to have that. I think it's going to be like in the mid to low 30s. You know, it's an afternoon game, so once it you know gets dark and the sun goes down, it'll get a little bit cooler, probably in upper 20s. But it's not going to be a terrible game. So if you get on them early, they're going to want to get in the car. They want to get in the bus, go home. Their season's over. But for the Packers, this is – this is a big game, but it's not the same experience as going on the road and experiencing the playoffs for a lot of these young guys on this team. Now, remember, this team hasn't, this, you know, they didn't go to the playoffs last year. So, this team, for as much as they rolled that roster over, a lot of guys on this roster haven't even been to the postseason. Got a lot more to go. One hour down, three yet to go. Enjoying today. It's Wednesday. Don't forget, coming up tonight, six to eight. The Bill Michaels huddle, all football, all the time. Packers back in the practice field. We're going to hear from Matt LaFleur, hear from Jordan Love, hear from Mike Clemens, make our picks around the rest of the NFL as we're getting into playoff football now. Looking forward to it. Stay tuned. A whole lot more of the Bill Michaels show coming up right after this.